0: Good morning, and welcome back to the conclusion of Early Race Films. In a bizarre sense, blacks were somewhat empowered in Birth of a Nation, for at least they had been portrayed as being a worthy foe of the white man. Most other early films, however, were far more insulting and demeaning, depicting the child man Negro. Ross's observation that musicianship indicated a primitive nature is perfectly on target. And more often than not, African-Americans served as silly butts of jokes, half-human fools with no dignity. Ross speculates that these roles were designed to soothe white fears during a time of social change. By depicting African-Americans as incapable of comprehending issues of any complexity, whites could both retain old feelings of superiority superiority, Mm -hmm. and justify their lack of involvement in any movements of social change. Seeing these silly types, even though audiences probably didn't think they were entirely real, provided comfort and familiarity. In film, a black character became a classic laugh, a surefire successful, successful convention to keep an audience engaged. Depression-area films made the amiable, black, amiable blacks of popular memory, lots of African Americans even more demeaning. For the popular romantic vision of the Old South, made for an excellent fantasy, in the midst of economic hardship. As Jack Kirby writes in Media Made Dixie, the most successful genres of the times diverted attention from reality, westerns, monster films, and the magnolia-scented Old Southerners. Another explanation for the Dixie fad is sheer public ignorance of history, black history, and slavery in particular. While these were not the films that best embodied the public's hope, In search for solutions, they did show a happier place, a world where simplicity and security were unfortunately too too lovely to have survived. Such nostalgia is obviously shallow, but in terms of race films, such as Gone with the Wind, were actually damaging. Although the portrayals of happy, grinning servants who knew their places were less blatantly false than Birth of a Nation's half-human freemen, they were nonetheless assurances to white audiences that a more stable social order had once existed. Yeah, taking it back to the good old South. By admiring an old South movie, audiences were just comforted by riches and big houses. They also saw a dependable and working racial hierarchy that both kept society running and left everyone happy. What made racial stereotyping in films such a such the way they were depression era movies in particular so powerful was its roots in minstrel movies minstrel shows an african-american demeaning comedy act with a history over of over a hundred years old these throwback films reminded audiences of an earlier time one that appeared considerably rosier when viewed through nostalgic eyes during economic chaos that such stereotypes could exist 70 years after the famed <clears throat> emancipation proclamation speaks to their tenacity, but nothing proves their power as much as the manner in which the most well-known African-American ce- celebrities in history were taken prisoner, so to speak. Today's closing quote, a favorite of mine, in the er- and I quote, in the early days of my career as an actor, I shared what was then the prevailing attitude of Negro performers, that the content and form of a play or a film scenario was of little importance to us. What mattered was the opportunity, which came so seldom to our folks. Later, I came to understand that the Negro artist could not view the matter simply in terms of his individual interests, and that he had a responsibility to his people who rightfully resented the traditional stereotyped, Portrayals of Negroes on stage and screen. End quote. That was Paul Robeson. Ebony Contrarian Out.